So, Eric, do you you know what day it is? What day is it, Bill? Well, I'm just gonna have to just gonna have to say it. If you don't remember, I'm gonna have to remind you. And it hurts. That hurts. I am old. Bit. My memory slips. It's uh, it's our anniversary, Eric. <gasps> oh my goodness! We've been doing this podcast for one year now. An entire year. In some ways, it seems like yesterday, but in other ways, <laughs> especially with the COVID and the hiatus, it yeah. seems a little bit longer in other ways. It's kind yeah. of strange. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Let's. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So, basically... This story goes back longer than a year. I don't know when we quite first started talking about this. Probably would have been November, December, I would think. I was going to say, I know a solid three to six months yeah. prior. We we talked about this idea that we would get together. Because honestly, we were already getting together and talking about weird topics as it was. Yeah. Weirdlings, we have a tendency to find one another. And we decided that at some point in time... And I, I honestly want to say that you probably floated the idea first. I know I talked about that. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I was actually pretty new yeah. to the whole comprehension and definition of podcast. But I, so I you think, introduced me there. I think you were the first one to float the idea of us turning those conversations into a podcast. Well, ironically, you know, be like in the break room or whatever. And, you know, people would walk in and in the middle of our conversations and you'd find that there were some that was drawn in and actually wanted to participate yeah. and maybe others that raised an eyebrow and left. <laughs> so it's like, well, maybe people would like to hear us uh, yeah, not, talk about Not everybody's stuff. interested in these topics that we talk about, but yeah, sometimes you'd, you'd get people that were a little more interested than you thought. So, you know, kind of in honor of our one year, we kind of wanted to talk about, again, like I said, kind of how we got started and what we're doing, why we do it and, and kind of what we think of the future of our little labor of love is going to be because it is labor of love. We're not getting paid to do yeah. this. Yeah, this it's, is totally free of charge yeah. for listening, and it's just because we like to do it. And and honestly, and I've told you this before, I, I kind of look forward to coming together with you and, and talking about these weird topics. And Absolutely. I'm constantly learning about new things, and we're going <laughs> to we're gonna record some episodes coming up. The topics I've never even, I didn't even know about until you proposed them. And I think we're going to talk about some of the past episodes and maybe kind of where we got our inspiration and what we liked, maybe what we didn't like about yeah. some of them and, you know, what we've learned along the route because we still, we're constantly learning and upgrading our recording stuff. And so like I said, I've been listening to podcasts for years and, you know, I listened to uh, Kevin Smith was one of the first podcasts I listened to. And I want to just say right now while we're, while we're sitting here, he was one of those people, honestly, that kind of. His his words kind of got us where we're at today because he was one of those people that podcasting is kind of in its infancy. I know we it's been around for a while. I can't say it's in its infancy, but we're still the early it's, days. It's still kind of the wild west. Uh, <laughs> and you can kind of get in there. There's no entry fee. There's no nothing stopping you from just putting yourself out on the internet 
just a couple of co- folks recording, talking about whatever they want to record. And that was, you know, in one of Kevin Smith's podcasts, it was his, sort of his advice. If you want to do it, do it. Do it. Find a friend. Find a family member. Have a conversation. Record it. Put it out there for people to listen to. Uh, you know, you're on the internet. There's something for everybody, and everybody wants to hear whatever it is you're talking, you know. Well, and again, you know me, I'm the historian, uh, probably of the two, but I-, I think, strangely, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe my grandkids might actually listen <laughs> yeah. to this, and then I think, what if I would have come across a diary or a journal that was my great-grandfather, and he had these weird interests, but, you know, nobody ever knew about it because he never talked about it publicly. So anyway, you know, not that I, not that I think we need the competition, but if you, if you, if you're interested in it, I think we can vouch for the fact that it's not that hard to do. You could do it with an iPhone. Honestly, we we're a little more elaborate than that. We've, we've invested a little bit of money over the years or year, years, year. Yeah. <laughs> we've invested a Seems little like money years, as we said, in some ways. Well, I know when we first got together, it was like, seriously, it's like, well, what would we talk about? And you started making a list. I started making a list and very quickly, I mean, we had. 50 items oh, yeah. a piece. It's not hard to come up with, with stuff to fill it. But, but it's, there was a, there was a gentleman at work. We were in a meeting. We were talking about safety, which safety, you know, at, at any workplace usually should be number should, priority one. Should be. And the question of what do you work safe for came up. And this young man in this meeting said, well, I want, want to see my podcast get to a million listeners. I remember that. And we had just really just gotten started at that point in time. So I, I, sought this young man out later in the the evening and i said hey you know you talked about a podcast are you are you you know and i think he was going to talk about sports news that was what he wanted to talk about sports news and things like that but he hadn't really started it yet he he was wasn't sure what to do what what they were gonna you know how to get into it it's a big cookie to bite into to begin with and and again my advice to him was like man you just got to get into it and, and i talked about what we did and you know he he told me some stories that he thought would fit into our podcast a little bit uh, our voodoo episode was at least partially inspired by that conversation with him. I know I learned a lot on that one myself. So again, you know what we do, it's not hard. Anybody can do it. It's just to getting together and talking. And like you said, historically speaking, I, my kids don't really listen to the podcast. I know my brother and sister do on occasion. And I've even learned stuff about my family from the podcast. I, my niece is absolutely terrified of skinwalkers. <laughs> I don't know why, but. Again, you refuses know, I, to listen to that episode yeah, in any particular. Any episode that yeah. we have that involves skinwalkers, she's out. And I, I didn't know that when we started <laughs> this. So it was kind of neat to say, you know, I learned about my own family. And I will say, it's it's kind of ironic. Some of the topics we've come up with, we thought, man, this will be a good podcast. And then when you start kind of cultivating it, there's not really enough there to even do a thirty minute podcast. Yeah, there's been on. a couple where um, surprisingly on some know, of them. Yeah, you would start digging into it. Uh, I think Ozark, Cursed Ozark's Waterways, one of our very first episodes, we, I thought we could fill a lot with that. But the more you dug into it, you could only find a couple of really good fleshed out and, you know stories where the other ones were like, well, somebody saw a ghost here. Somebody saw a creature there. And you get that third, fourth hand information. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this old boy that lives up the road down by the hill. Or we, uh, Oklahoma Octopus, I think was another one where it was like, you know, it was the number one cryptid creature in Oklahoma. Never heard of that and in it my was, life. And it took us everything we could to find enough information for a whole episode. I remember we were talking about that one and it's like, hold on, Oklahoma has an octopus. We have to do this. Yeah. Why did I not know about this? But I think we started off, of course, we did a little intro when we started off. But, uh, you know, after that, it was absolutely Bill's idea right out of the gate. And he said, I want to do Hopkinsville Goblins. That's one of my favorite stories. It's just, 
And not that it's anything special, but it's just kind of the absurdity of the little tale of this little farmhouse in the middle of Kentucky being attacked by these little, I think we, we determined that they were probably aliens at the time. Right. Um, little gray folk. But it's just just a, a fun story, which it, I think we agreed from the beginning that it was about telling stories. Yes. We wanted to be storytellers. But really, I think what gets us here, one, uh, we both have a lifelong fascination with the paranormal, the unexplained ghosts and goblins and on all that. Um, you know, I thought we could share some personal anecdotes a little bit while we're sitting here talking and kind of reflecting on how we, we got to making this podcast. Some of these I may have shared before. Uh, one of mine, you know, I, I'm a sucker for a creature story and there's not much to it, but my, my, my mom used to tell me the story about my grandpa. He had a chicken coop and you know, what's one of the common problems you have when you have a chicken coop? Keeping things out of the Keeping chicken coop. Out of the <laughs> chicken coop. So my grandpa had a fox that was coming in there and stealing chickens from time to time. And he figured, one, he's going to take care of that fox, which he did. He killed it. The old fox in the hen house. And then two, I guess as a warning to other foxes, he took that dead fox and he put it on a big tall fence post, one of his big corner posts. And I remember this fence post as a kid, and I remember looking up at it as a kid. So, I mean, who's to say how tall it was? I was little. We think we, I think we all remember things being much larger than they were. Towering over you. But my mom used to say that 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 fox only hung there for one day, and overnight it disappeared. And my grandpa talked about the giant footprints that are around the bottom of that fence post in the next morning when that fox was gone. Uh, You know, we, we grew up in rural Missouri, so... There's a chance, you know, and it may have been a squatch. Yeah. Bigfoot stole the fox body. <laughs> well, I know my family, uh, and I won't go into calling out names, but <laughs> on my mom's side of the family, we, uh, uh, certain families, let's just say, carry on some superstitions. Yeah. Um, one story I had been told for many, many years was, uh, a descendant of mine, uh, had passed away. This would have been back in the, uh, I, I would think like sixties time frame. And he had a uh, special pocket watch that he was buried with that he carried all the time. If memory serves me correctly, he may have even worked for the railroad, and it was like one of those railroad stopwatches that we or watches that we've talked about. And uh, one of my cousins uh, had went to the funeral. He was extremely close. This was his gran- grandpa. And uh, long story short, he was buried with this watch. However, a couple nights afterwards. His mom went into the room and my cousin, this very young little boy, about 10 years old at that time frame, had said watch. And he said that grandpa came back that night and told him to keep this safe, to hold it for him, you know? So I kind of grew up with some of those type stories from one side of my family and the other side of the family was, they're almost to the type that's like, don't bother me with this trivial stuff. It's not real. So I literally kind of have a 50-50 blend in my family. Well, my family was, they would have these these little anecdotes like that. They would tell these stories, but they were always, they were always told in, in like the same way you talk about an old birthday party or something. You'd tell the story and it wasn't really, it was just a thing. It was just like, hey, this is one-off thing. Yeah. And then nobody would really go into it. Nobody was really fascinated by it the way I was. Yeah. You know, my, my mom and my dad talk about when they were on their honeymoon and, or my mom would tell me this story. And they stopped at like a little rest area. My mom had to go to the bathroom. It was the middle of the night and they heard a a God awful scream come out of the woods. And 
my mom recalls, and my dad was in the car with the doors locked before she got out of the restroom, I think is the way she phrased it. <laughs> um, and again, my mom would just tell that story. And, and it could have been a, you know, a mountain lion or whatever. Right. But who knows what they encountered. But she would just tell the story like, oh, well, one time this happened. And then just move on. Yeah, it was just like, you know story fodder you know my, my stepdad you know hey i saw a ufo one time and then just immediately go you know like wait a minute there's more to that story right well and i think i shared one of the stories on one of our podcasts when sarah and i were first married um we lived out towards falcon a little tiny rural town and we pulled up one night with groceries and we had the ufo that was basically above our car and i i swear to god and country i mean i that is so vivid even today made no sound whatsoever and just hovered you know, just above the tree lines, kind of a weird, not a saucer shape, but more of like a, uh, a diamond or a triangle shape, you know? So there's been all kinds of weird things that's, that's personally occurred to me. My, well, when I actually died on the operating table, I've told that story several times. And, uh, you know, when these things start shaping our lives as young children, teens, even adults, I don't know what the word is to use. We're touched or maybe scarred by some of this stuff, but either way it's there, you know, it's part of our foundation. And I think if most people would be honest, I think most, if not all have had something occur to them in their lives that they just, they couldn't explain. Well, you know, here, not too long ago, um, before my daughter was born, when I just had the two boys, we had gone to a school carnival and we had a helium balloon that we brought home. And I remember we were in the living room and I, I was, standing like in the kitchen doorway or something, talking to my wife. And this balloon was in the kitchen behind me. And I remember this balloon just came floating by me. And it was at a height where it was like it could have been held in a child's hand. And it just floats past me, comes through that door. So it's not touching the ceiling. It's actually kind of suspended between the floor and the ceiling. Okay. Floats past me, goes down our hallway, takes a right, goes down the hallway, takes a left, floats into my kid's room. Floats up to the ceiling in there, hits their ceiling fan, gets knocked back down. But then it stops on its way back up, the same exact height it was before. Comes back out that bedroom door. Goes right coming out that bedroom door. Goes back up the hallway, coming towards me. I, of course, stepped out of the way. This balloon had... uh, (laughs) The balloon has the right of way, folks. (laughs) Yeah, he's got the right of way. Uh, Takes a left, goes back into the kitchen, and then floats back up to the ceiling. Wow. Yeah, we were like, that's kind of weird. To kind of expand on you talking about, like, everybody's got a story, though. I mean, literally just this past week, I was talking to a young lady at work, and I didn't I didn't ask permission for her story, but I'm going to relate it and then beg forgiveness. <laughs> but she was telling me, you know, we were talking about paranormal. You know, somehow we get on the topic of paranormal. It, it happens when I'm having conversations right. with people. If you have a love for it, it comes <laughs> up. But she said that uh, she was dating a young man at one point in time, and every time she would put a picture of him up, they would wake up in the morning, and that picture would be knocked down. Either be laying on its face, or if there was a picture on the wall, it would be knocked off the wall. And she thought, well, that's weird. Hmm. And then one day he was at her house, and he claimed that, that some force had grabbed him and, like, held him down. Kind of, And he said he felt very threatened. And I, I was just casually, I'm like, well, was he a jerk? And she said, well, no, he was, he was terrible. And I said, well, it sounds like maybe you had a family member that had a problem with him that was had already passed. You. Yeah. And I, you know, and the same young lady then said when she went away to college, she was doing like a, uh, a FaceTime video of her dorm room, you know, to send, you know, talking to family or whatever. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Snapchat. And she had a Snapchat filter on, you know, they automatically recognize faces. 
there was always a face being recognized over her right shoulder, no matter which way she turned in the room. <laughs> oh. And it was highlighting it. You know, she said it was really weird. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I've seen those videos on Facebook and YouTube where, you know, the Snapchat filter picks up another face that's not there. And just seeing the video is a little creepy. So I can't imagine being part of that video. Yeah, right on. You know, everybody's got stories, it seems like. If Every, I think if, if you're honest yeah. with yourself, uh, it's just what you plan to do with it. Uh, you know, ignore it, tuck it away, hide it away for another day, or just say it doesn't exist and move on. But, or uh, weird people like us, you know, kind of embrace it and want to want to understand why. Guys like us, we want to talk about it. We want to embrace it. And and like I said, doing this podcast, we've we've learned from each other. I yep. would say, oh you know, yeah, we, we've come up with topics each of us that the other had never heard of before. Happens all the time. And and even doing even doing the research for an episode that we thought that I thought I knew, uh, Hopkinsville Goblins. We'll go back to that second episode, our very well, our first real True podcast. Episode, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that that was a story that was supposedly still continuing to this day. Right. You yeah. Know, and, and we learned that there's more to that story. There may be enough info, info there for another episode someday. Yeah. So. Yeah. 2020 and beyond. <laughs> like I said, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we've got plans. We, we, we got a future here, I hope. Yeah. I plan on for sure doing this another year and I'm curious to see where we'll be at, you know, at the two year mark, you know. Hopefully we'll have a few more episodes providing COVID doesn't shut us down and we have unexpected uh, recording (laughs) studio equipment issues. We had our our brief hiatus that ended up being about, what, four months between April and August? Well, we had aired episode 10 on Morris Mill and uh, that was on 418 of 2020 and then our next one was on August 22nd. So about a four month period there that that we didn't have anything. But yeah, I mean, you can tack some of that on to COVID, and then some of it was technical issues. And, yeah. And I know uh, you kind of embraced that time period to do some traveling, so. Yes, yes, I did. Job changes, and it was time to, to, to get out of Dodge, as they say, for a while and see the world a little bit. So well, we, I, we, I, I thought it would be just kind of cool to literally just start at the top of the list and kind of go through and, you know, Bill brought some of these to me. I brought some of these to Bill. Some of them was kind of a combined conglomeration and just kind of do a little bit behind the scenes, a little bit about how we got to each one of the episodes. So we're hitting, what do we say? This is, this one will be our episode 36. Yeah, this will be our 36th episode, which again, with one year anniversary, we should have been at 52, but we lost a couple. We lost a few. Yeah. But our first true episode was uh, February 15th, 2020, and that was the Hopkinsville Goblins. And like I said, Bill brought that to us, for sure. UFOs and the unexplained tales of little silver men, not your typical little green men. Have you ever heard the story of the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, the Hopkinsville Goblins? Uh, I came in uh, with episode two on the Giants in America. Hey, have you heard about Giants in America? Kind of giant remains. We've all heard tales, and those of us who are geeks and nerds play maybe play Dungeons and Dragons, but about legitimate stories of giants found in America. Now, I'd I'd heard a couple stories about giant skeletons here and there, but not really a topic I had dug into a little bit. Got to admit, found some interesting stories when I took the time to actually look it up. There's a ton of information out there, and we're going to share a little bit about uh, some giants in America and some of the different lore and, and some of the different findings. And, you know, I'd, I'd heard of giants in America, but I think we talked about the lost city under, was it Moberly or something like that? Moberly, it was here in Missouri. Cape Girardeau, somewhere like that, yeah, here and in I'd, Missouri. I'd never heard that never. story. That was straight out of a Dungeons and Dragons module. And I mean. again, we, we, we want to try to bring a lot of what we do back to where we're from. Uh, originally 
I think the original pitch was that we would just do Missouri. Yeah. And we realized real quick. We're going to run out of stuff <laughs> real quick. Yeah, you can't just talk about only Missouri. But we did we did try to, you know, put our foot down and say, you know, we're not going to do just international stuff. We're going to try to at least reel it back in close to the tri or quad state area. But uh, the Giants in America, that always kind of intrigued me. And I think where I really got my first real taste of that was there was a, a TV series back in 2014, and it was called In Search of Lost Giants. And it was a Jim and Bill Vieira, I believe is the way you pronounce their name. Unfortunately, it was like one season. But they traveled around mostly United States uh, and started tracking down the Giants and, and different remnants. And there were several here in Missouri, which that sparked my interest, you know, being a local historian. And then uh, episode three, that came out at the end of February. That was our Ozarks Waterway. No matter where you're from, you've all probably heard stories of different creatures and myths around waterways and rivers and areas around you. Does something sinister lurk beneath the surface? Have you heard the untold tales of the Ozarks waterways? And I, that was one of the ones we kind of struggled with. We well, thought we would have a story that kind of become multiple well, stories. Well, I, I think that started out as haunted Lake of the Ozarks even. Yeah. And then it was like, there's not enough there for Lake of the Ozarks. I think we talked about the White River Monster uh, yep. giant catfish. Because I love the giant catfish The giant story. catfish stories. You hear them around here all the time. So... Yeah, I, I mean, it's just any lake with a dam in it. Uh, I think when we talked about the Oklahoma octopus, even part of the research for that brought up giant catfish. Well, we're not going to talk about that again. Yeah, we already did that. Yeah. Well, then episode four was totally Bill. This is one of Bill's fascinations, the Megalodon. 1975. Spielberg has brought Jaws to the big screen. The first, what you'd call summer blockbuster. In Jaws, a 25-foot great white shark, roughly the size of a school bus, 30 feet, 30 feet, terrorizes the community of Amity. But could a larger shark be out there to terrorize the world? Have you heard the story of Megalodon? I think we're about to. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a big shark guy. I love sharks in general. And the Megalodon, the fact that it could still be out there, I have... Honestly, the amount of research I had to do for that episode was almost zero. I knew most of those stories by heart when I when I sat down to write the notes. Well, this man literally has a collection of megalodon teeth, I think, in his living room. I've got three now. <laughs> two, two, two of them came from your shop. Something obviously very near and dear to his heart. I've got a bucket full of much smaller shark teeth that I've been collecting. <laughs> Sharks are my fascination, so. And then we move on to, seriously, I think it's one of my all-time favorite episodes. Uh, this was in March uh, 14th, and that was the Florida Frankenstein. So I've got to ask the question, have you heard of a Dr. Tanzler? I would consider it a modern-day Frankenstein of Florida. you got to buckle up. This one gets weird. This one is creepy to a whole new level, folks. Carl Tanzler. German immigrant, born February 8, 1877 in Dresden, Germany. Travels as a child to Italy, where he's claimed to be visited by a deceased ancestor. Dr. Tanzler. Dr. Tanzler. And I think even, like I said, you got to buckle up. That's a weird story. And, and I had heard bits and pieces of that story before we talked about it. But 
again, when you when you sit down to do the research, I found out there was much more to that a story. A lot to that story. I mean, you you got this guy's talking to ghosts in his dreams, and he oh, man. steals this body out of the morgue, out of the cemetery, and dresses it and cares or sleeps with this body <laughs> for it was a period of years. I stumbled across that one. I think um, just watching some internet weird stories and it was like this can't be real this is like something right out of a horror movie i mean yeah. seriously and it's like this can't be real and the more and more i researched it it was like oh wow it, this is very very real. crazy that by by far that is one of my favorite personal favorites and then episode six and i think you had some numbers here on the black-eyed kids that seems to be one of our our, our listeners' favorites. Is, is our number one most downloaded episode with 110 downloads as of last night when I checked the numbers. An urban legend that may have started on the internet. Of black-eyed children showing up unexpectedly. Children that seem weirdly out of place and out of time. Asking for your landline or your telegraph. <laughs> have you ever heard of the black-eyed kids? You're about to. Uh, it has always been at the top for months now. And again, uh, some really creepy stories in that one, I think. Oh, yeah. And it was another one that, that we thought there would be a lot out there, and then we found so many little anecdotal stories. You'd be lucky to get a couple sentences or a paragraph. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, a lot of it was just like, well, I saw a black-eyed kid here, saw a black-eyed kid there, you know, black-eyed kid did this. So we, it, we had to dig a little bit to really find some good ones, but I think there were some really good creepy stories it, there. It, you, you brought this one. This was totally you brought it to me, and I kind of thought it was kind of one of those urban legends, you well, know, kind of things. It has the feel of an urban legend, and it's fairly recent, so I think that doesn't help. But again, with a lot of these stories... And, and I've heard this on another paranormal podcast, you know, kind of what goes around comes around the idea that the label black eyed kids may be new, but if you go throughout the history, a lot of legends, a lot of yep. lore about fae creatures yeah, fae. and stuff like that. So the stories are really kind of older than they, they seem. They just kind of got relabeled, I guess. Yeah. Well, then we come to episode seven. Uh, and that was one I actually brought to the table and it's called the Brooklyn Enigma. Have you heard about the Brooklyn Enigma? A young injured Victorian girl who fasted for over a decade and become a psychic phenomenon. And this was the poor gal who got drugged behind a, a stagecoach, I believe, yeah. and had some very <laughs> serious head trauma uh, in a coma, but then kind of woke up and had special powers. And, and that's another one where when we first sat down, we only had the Brooklyn Enigma, and then we realized that there was a much larger story about the Victorian fasting girls. Yes. So I actually found more information on other girls that had apparently had similar situations. They'd, they'd had these life-altering events and then supposedly had uh, supernatural abilities. And I think we that one even has the, the newspaper headline, like, who ate the broken potato or something. Yeah, the broken... It yeah, was the newspaper headline about eating a potato. I thought it was funny. But again, you know, that's something like on the Black Eyed Kids and the Brooklyn Enigma, you know, you you, you look at it and you think, okay, well, this is something new and you keep going back and it's it's history repeating yeah. itself. Yeah. Now, some might say, well, that's copycat, but, you know, I, I for one might say, well, maybe that adds a little bit of merit to some of these stories. It's not just some crazy harebrained idea that popped up once, but something that continues to kind of come yeah. up. Well, then we moved to episode eight and that was, I believe another one of our, 
our listeners' favorites, uh, Mandela Effect. That is uh, tied for number two with the Hopkinsville Goblins, 89 downloads. Is it Oscar Mayer or Oscar Mayer? Hmm. Was it Life is Like a Box of Chocolates or Life Was Like a Box of Chocolates? Hmm. Is it Baron Stain or Baron Steen? Which I, do you remember? I wonder. Have you ever heard of the Mandela Effect? Uh, Giants in America, while we're while I'm saying it, 72 downloads, number four. Number four. But yeah, the Mandela Effect. And honestly, when we recorded that one, I thought we kind of wandered off the trail a little. Yeah, we, uh, we were kind of herding chickens and, and herding uh, cats there for a while. We, uh, <laughs> it was the first time we had a guest with us, which yep. uh, your son, my, Alex. My son, Alex, who's our producer, recording manager, I but guess you'd I, say. I think that one turned out pretty well. I... Uh, I think we kind of broke through some stuff there where we got into a lot more discussion. Well, what we learned and what I learned, I think is that we, we do better when it sounds, when we're conversing more than reading. I know a lot of time we, we read our notes. Yep. Try to get those facts straight. But I think when we take a moment to discuss what we're reading, I think that that comes across more genuine. I think it works a little better. I think we really started to kind of see that. Um, then we moved to uh, episode nine. Of course, we've already talked about that. That was the uh, famed Oklahoma octopus. <laughs> the horror movies in the 1950s often featured tentacled creatures, horrific beasts, mutants of, of the nuclear age. But could there be a tentacled terror in the waters of the Sooner State? Oklahoma? Have you heard of the Oklahoma octopus? Yeah, that one was a little tricky. Um... Still not real sure about that one. But actual legitimate octopi, octopus is, I think we established it was octopuses at the time. Yes, yes. Actual octopuses found in Oklahoma on more than one occasion. Yep. Can't can't deny it. It does exist. Now, a giant octopus, uh, still verdict out on that. Love to believe that. And again, I think even the topic of the Oklahoma octopus, we talked about the cursed springs, and I think that came back up with uh, Skinwalker Ranch later on when we talked about that. Yep. It kind of grew into some more. Uh, episode 10 was Morris Mill outside of St. Louis, Missouri. As featured on Ghost Hunters Season 7, and also featured on Travel Channel's Most Terrifying Places in America, you might find Morris Mill just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Have you heard the story of the hauntings and history of Morris Mill? And that is our number five of our top five most downloaded episodes with 69 downloads. And uh, I just saw on our Facebook and actually shared it this week, the anniversary. I think that was in 2012, if I remember that we went. Was it that long ago? I think it was. 2012, 2013, maybe. And, uh, you know, Bill here and myself and and some other friends from work, Tim Southard and some. My brother brother and and sister. My wife, Sarah, we we froze our butt off there that it night. Cold. It was so cold. We we did the best we could. We were troopers. We we did the best we could. I think we melted the bottoms of our shoes trying to stay warm. Yes, up on the hearth of that little fireplace. But uh, remodeling the Morris Mill, I mean, literally, you could see air gaps in between the the siding on the outside. Yeah, and it's still he's still still working on it. Still, you can still go there. Yeah. So again, we're not being sponsored by anybody. I don't want to plug anybody's stuff, but. You know, go check it out. It might be worth looking into. And then, of course, that's where we hit our big hiatus. We had really just kind of started to catch sail. And, and yeah, well, we, we did pretty good there. And then, then COVID struck. Yeah, just boom. It was like the iceberg and the Titanic there for a bit. And I know, I know, Eric, you know, maybe I'm disclosing a little bit much, but him and I had had many a conversation about that pesky COVID. Oh, yes. And we were, we were concerned at that point. 
Yep. I think I I think I've chilled a little since then, but I think we've had to. Maybe we got calloused is the word for it. (laughs) I I ended up getting COVID. Yes. Yeah. Your whole family. My wife's uh, mom. I mean, it it's definitely hit home as it has, I'm sure, with many yeah. many people out there. And I definitely don't want to downplay it. I know it can be a very serious situation yep. for people. I, I, me and my family got very lucky. We had very mild cases of it. We were able to come through the other side. We know. had family friends that literally passed away, yeah. you know, due to it. So it's uh, believe what you want, but uh, in this neck of the woods, we believe it's pretty real. But but yeah, it definitely took a toll on our little podcast. And disrupted our our little flow. And that was almost a four-month hiatus there. Yeah. Uh, Then we come back on the latter part of August, and we did UFOs and the government. Does the government know more about unexplained vehicles in the skies above America than they're telling us? I mean, i I got to be honest. I think it goes without saying, right? Absolutely. But today we're going to talk about just what the government's been saying about UFOs. A nice, timely topic. Inquiring minds want to know. And that was just, I had just happened to see some headlines when you, I think you texted me and you're like, Hey, we're going to get back at it. And I was, We'd uh, bought some new sound equipment <laughs> and it's like, I'm eager to try this out. But yeah, I just happened to see a headline talking about the UFO and, and the government and UFO disclosure. And speaking of, uh, as part of the last COVID stimulus package, the federal government was given, I want to say 90 days for full disclosure on what it had. We may have something new to talk about here before too long. Ooh, juicy stuff. So I think it's like uh, 50 more days or something before, you know, the FBI or whatever is supposed to turn over everything they have. Definitely be watching that. I don't Stay know. tuned, folks. I don't know how it slipped in there, but yeah, there might be more to talk about. <laughs> Episode 12, we came in with, I think we called it just the Fay. You may be surprised to learn that in the beginning of the 20th century, the majority of rural Ireland and Britain still had the steadfast belief in the existence of fairies. The first impression we might conjure in our mind is hearing them as a fairy, possibly as Tinkerbell, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Most stories are not about Tinkerbell. (laughs) And that started off as a story that I brought on the Cottingly Fairies, which... This was one of those stories that started us. Yes. Because we talked about this in the early, early days. And you brought that up with your gaming group. Yes, my D&D, my Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> group, and I'm like, it's it's a story of the Fae, and I asked the group just out of curiosity, one of our little breaks, it's like, okay, who here has heard of Cottingly Fairies? And my wife raised her hand, none of the rest of the group, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Nobody has heard of the Cottingly Fairies? And I had heard of the Cottingly Fairies, I'd read the story a couple times, there's even a movie, I think we said back in the 90s, early yep. 2000s. Yep. I, I'd heard the story, so to me it was amazing that nobody had heard it, and I think that was what started pushing us this direction. Like nobody had heard that story yeah. and we thought it was a good story kinda, to share. Kind of took it personal. It's like, okay, then it's our job to yeah. make sure we yeah. get this out there. <laughs> if you haven't heard the story, we're, we're going to educate you. you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's definitely, and then of course, like, like a lot of these Cottingly fairies, wasn't going to be enough by itself. We didn't feel. And so we right. started looking and, and people are still seeing fake goblins in Texas, and goblins and gnomes and, yeah. and sprites. So again, it, it's out there. It's still occurring. It, uh, maybe it's trying to tell you that there's actually a little something there. Then, ironically, episode 13, uh, we call that the cursed episode. Uh, I did not put that together at the time. I didn't until just now looking at it, actually. <laughs> the Ozarks Howler. Does a fearsome and frightful creature stalk Missouri and Arkansas Ozarks? The beast is the size of a large bear with a muscular body, when upright, towering over 10 feet tall, 
It has long horns like that of an elk or a deer, shaggy long hair and glowing red eyes, and a chilling howl that is described as a woman's scream and a wolf's howl, where it gets its name, the Ozark Howler. Or Black Howler, Nightshade Bear, the Devil Cat, my favorite, <laughs> the Hoo-Hoo. The Hoo-Hoo. Please stay tuned. Um, and we never really talked about this, but it was part of the reason. Thirteenth episode was cursed. Well, I it was swear. it was part of our, our technical issues that eventually that partially that and COVID that shut us down. Yeah, we recorded that episode and lost the whole yep. thing. That, that would have been an earlier episode, but we lost it. And Bill and I know Alex, they spent hours trying to trying to figure it out stitch this thing back together <laughs> and it had come apart and, and on the computer and trying to link it all back oh it I was mean, just I, a nightmare i still had all my original notes i saved the notes for every episode because i'm a weird little electronic hoarder i guess <laughs> uh i still had my original notes so when it came time it was like well do we want to do ozark's howler again and then um i want to say there were even some technical glitches in that episode when we were when i was editing it yep and I thought, man, we're going to lose this again. We're lose I'm not it recording again. it a third time. Yeah, and it, it, I don't know. It's maybe it's just me, but whenever you record something and you got to redo it, whether it be a recording or redo anything, it's I, like I, I don't know if it's I ever going to be. Energy. Yeah, it's it's like I don't know if this will ever be as good. Maybe it was better. I honestly, <laughs> I, it was lost, so we'll never know. But uh, yeah, the episode thirteen, uh, the Ozarks Howler, the cursed episode for sure. Then we came back, episode 14. That was the Falk Monster, uh, otherwise known as the Legend of yeah. Boggy Creek. So if you're familiar with cheesy movies from the 1970s, you might have heard of a little story, a little movie called The Legend of Boggy Creek. I know I have. Now, that's supposed to be a documentary about uh, encounters with a hairy hominid down in Arkansas. Mm. There's a little more to the story than you get to see there, though. Let's pursue it. Which that's, I mean, I'd seen the Boggy Creek movie when I was a kid. I did too. And, you know, we're the right part of the world for that. That's an Arkansas story. We're here in Missouri, so. Move right along to episode 15, and that was on voodoo. The origins of voodoo are uncertain. However, it's a general belief that it comes from Western Africa. That being said, it seems to come up again and again, and sometimes frightening, almost horror-like background in histories and films, hundreds of accounts of TV and silver screen legends. We are going to dive in and explore a little bit of the history of voodoo. That voodoo that you do so well. Ooh, voodoo. And I I kind of brought this in. You had had some conversations. You brought this in. I think it was kind of a combined effort. But I went into it with the mindset that, you know, this is going to be scary. You know, this is going to be nightmarish. And see, when we talked about voodoo, I had already done some research on voodoo. So I was like, well, I want to definitely talk about the religious aspect of this. Yeah. It ended up being a much more tame episode, I think, than we had planned. I think a lot of it was just misunderstood. But yeah, by doing some research, you know, dive, not being afraid to kind of dive in and research it, it, it wasn't as scary and taboo as what I originally thought, you know. Then we move on to three episodes that was kind of something we had talked about early on. And it, it, that, well, that was another th- conversation we'd had even before we started, I think, is... Uh, Guest speakers. Yeah. You know. and, and especially uh, with Rin. Yep. Uh, you said he has very good stories, and some of what you had related to me before we even started down this road. Most of us may be familiar with things that go bump in the night, 
like the Wendigo, Skinwalkers, Thunderbird, or the Fey Little People. But tonight we're honored to have a special storyteller with us, Warren, Wren, as I call him, with a unique insight on these things and more, being Native American himself. So we're back with Wren for another episode. Uh, we talked about Skinwalkers and the Wendigo and, and such in our last episode. I think now we're going to talk more about some traditions uh, of his and, and his people. We're going to rejoin this conversation. Without further ado. Here we are back again for uh, part three, we will call it, with our Native American friend, Ren. Hello. How you guys doing? <laughs> I feel that was some, some really good work that we did there. I loved that. Uh, we, we call him Ren. His name's uh, Lauren Wychies. Uh, he's Native American Indian. Um, his tribe's originally out of the Wisconsin area. Met him through the store uh, here. He's a fellow dungeon master. Uh, and yeah, he's he's just a hoot to visit with and talk to. And just and some really fascinating stories he had to tell. I, I was captivated. I, we, I really enjoyed it. We, we kind of went in and, and you had mentioned skinwalkers and how your sister you know didn't want to talk about it. That was one of the things I was a little concerned personally. It's like, now, you know, Ren, you've... Renzi's nickname, so I, I will call him Ren. He and I had talked about skinwalkers, and I thought it was odd because, uh, for the most part, most Native Americans especially, they don't want to talk about skinwalkers, but he was pretty open to it. And I'm like, are you okay <laughs> Like going on the air in a podcast and talking about it? And he explained his beliefs and yeah. why. And he said, yeah, totally. And, and I told Bill, I was like, oh my gosh, we, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. But we went in. We didn't know if we were going to get one episode, two episodes. Yeah, we were yeah, just, we weren't really sure. And then we ended up recording all afternoon. And, all and afternoon. Made yeah. three episodes three out of episodes it. Three episodes out of it. So. Uh, it's something I think we'd like to do in the future even. Yeah. And, and you know, if, uh, you know, hopefully we can meet more people that have good stories like that. Because again, I think, you know, we're, we want to tell story good telling. stories. Yeah. And it may not always be us telling the stories. We just want to share stories. But yeah. We kind of broke through the door with Alex, you know, testing the waters with, uh, an extra set of mics and headphones and everything, and then brought Ren down. And well, and we're set up much better now than we were then. Oh, so. absolutely. <laughs> Episode 19, we come to the Demon House. This is October 17th of 2020. This was all Bill. Most hauntings do not get properly documented. They're anecdotal. It's just someone telling a story. But what if you could hear the story of a haunting that's documented not only by police, medical personnel, and Child Protective Services, all in one. Probably one of the most well-documented hauntings ever, and that would be the Gary, Indiana Demon House. Sprinkled with that little bit of demonic activity there. Well, I had watched a documentary on it, and it was just an interesting story, but like I explained in the episode, that was something that I was just happened to be walking past a TV at work in the break area, and literally like heard them start talking about this possessed house on the news, Picked so right up on that, didn't you? Fox News. But as soon as you hear that out, out of the, you know, you got to, hey, whoa, hey, what? 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 And, and I was amazed they were covering it on the news. They were talking about the police and the hospital and, and all these professionals. And I just, it's a very well-documented case. And I had watched the movie, Sarah and I actually had. And, and it is, it, it's, it's very well done. It's a very interesting case. And probably, as we said, probably one of the best, if not the best, documented of cases. Then we've come up to episode 20, and that was um, Ghost Ships. This was kind of a, a conglaboration, if you will, of uh, different stories. Spectral ships, abandoned freighters, things that go bump in the night on the ocean waters. 
We're going to be taking things off the coast to hauntings and unexplained tales on the water. I got enough of that. All right. <laughs> I think that's another one that started where we talked about like, oh, we're going to tell this story. And then we realized we needed multiple stories. Yeah. Just wasn't enough. So part of the matter there we, for a single story. We, we went everywhere from the flying Dutchman, the legendary flying Dutchman, all the way to like the rusting civil war uh, the, battleships. Yeah. And, and then we had the, uh, the, uh, undead captain on the ship that was found kind of more recent times yeah, and, and the, the the ship full of cannibalistic rats yeah <laughs> so that one kind of branched out uh then of course we come to episode 21 and this was something i had been dealing with on the halloween special campfire tales author william shakespeare certainly appreciated the power of graveyard and ghostly apparitions in his novels he penned these blood-curdling lines that I'll share to start us out. The witching time of night, when churchyards yawned and hell itself breathes out contagions of this world. Now could I drink hot blood and do such bitter business as the day would quake to the cold. Shakespeare was able to fuel the nation's love of a good, terrifying tale. There's nothing that compares than setting petrified by the fireside's flickering light to hear ghostly stories of tales from long ago. Fortunately, even today, the art of the storyteller brings these tales to life in a tradition, shall we say, will never die. For this special Halloween podcast, we're going to share scary stories around the campfire, all based on actual historical events. We hope you enjoy. And we both, Bill and I both knew, we, we kind of wanted to do something different. I really was pushing... It's Halloween. I want to do something just, at, and it actually hit on Halloween. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the weekend of Halloween. It actually hit on Halloween. And again, I think this was kind of another breakthrough for us. Um, I, I was pushing Bill, poor Bill. I'm, I'm tugging him along here. And <laughs> well, it's like, we need sound effects. You know, we, I, we need sound effects. We need to do this and that. And I, I may be over speaking, but I think <laughs> you were a little reluctant going into this. I, I do the, the editing. I take our little raw recorded footage and then I edit out all the hymns and huzz and throat clearing. And does a heck of a job that. of it. Great job of it. Uh, and then when Eric was like, we need to add some special effects. We need to add sound effects. And I'm just like, let's make no, that's more, more work. work than I got to do. <laughs> and, and, you know, just a little peek behind the curtain, but for however long an episode is just editing, just the pure audio. It's usually twice as long to, to get it ready to put on the internet. Right. Uh, by the time I, you know, pull out all the noise and, and edit out all the hymns and haws. And then, you know, if there's a weird little audio glitch, I got to cut around that. Or I got to admit every now and then we might say something that's just a little bit on the, uh, we probably, probably you know, need to censor that, that a little that bit. That wasn't very PC of us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But honestly, after we edited in the sound effects and I listened to the episode, I, well, if, if, if you are a loyal listener, you'll notice that sound effects pop up ever ever since. From Halloween, uh, I remember getting a text from Bill, and he's like, hey, have you had a chance to listen to that? And I was actually in the middle of listening to it. And oh, it's I like, think I got a hold of you. I got a hold of my sister. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm digging this. I, I really like it. And he's like, I think we should do this on all of them coming on out. And it's like, okay, you're doing the work. Yeah. You're volunteering. And I got to say, and, and this isn't, to, I mean, it was a good story, and it was a good to edit to the, the ghost train, the midnight train. Oh, yeah. I think that that was probably one that of the eerie train whistle. Yeah, I think that was a very good story, and and the sound effects I think that I, that just went well with it, and it was a good story to to do that with. 
But yeah, like I said, ever since then, I've been peppering in some sound effects here and there. So again, I think that was kind of a groundbreaking moment for us. <laughs> and another thing we might touch on real quick is, you know, Bill had said how much time is involved with editing. Generally speaking, we try to get together every other week. Yeah. And it's usually on a Sunday afternoon. And we're usually here in our little recording studio in the backside of our shop, Ravensloft, <laughs> for I'd say about four hours. Yeah, usually. To try uh, to record. We get together about one. Yeah. Uh, well, usually one -ish. three. Three hours for sure. Three we're hours for about sure. about by four. But, um, but uh, you know, and we try to record three episodes. Um, so we kind of have that kind of built up in a, in a bank. So it's not like we're recording it and then literally that weekend it drops. So we have a little bit of, you know, prep time of course we're scheduling on a calendar looking for hey this one yeah. hits on halloween or this one hits on christmas or you know whatever yeah we try to plan them out and make sure that we do something appropriate for the time frame so uh, but that brings us to episode 22 shadow people and this was bill's i believe as well you know on the show we talk about things that go bump in the night the dark the spooky the mysterious but when it comes to the when it comes to the phenomenon of ghosts and the like there seems to be a little subcategory when people are encountering shadow people. Shadow people. Uh, shadow people was actually something I had stumbled across. I'd seen it in different movies, different TV shows. I considered it different from your typical ghost story, so I, it was distinct enough that I thought we could tackle it on its own. So I I, I thought that was a good one. Yeah. And again, there's some, some really just creepy stories there. And again, but it was another one where there were so many little anecdotal stories that were just a line or two. Saw a shadow person, shadow person peeked on me in the bathroom, that kind of thing. <laughs> and again, that was one that it just unravels. There's so many instances and it goes back through history on, on shadow people. Yeah. What that, shadow people one. could be. I think we, you know, you know you relabel might, it maybe a little bit. Yeah. You might say the shadow people are fairly recent, but when you start looking at it, that's a story that goes back a long time. Yeah, indeed. Episode 23, uh, we're coming in on uh, November 14th, 2020, The Mothman. Is there a large, red-eyed, flying monstrosity that is a harbinger of doom that appears before disaster known as the Mothman? Sightings of the creature have, have happened around the world and almost always seem to happen before disaster. Let's dig into that a little bit more. The Mothman. And I'm not real sure who brought this or if it was a conglomeration. <laughs> I, I kind of put a question mark there. I wasn't I sure. I know that I'd had Mothman on my list for a while. And uh, again, I'd seen that Mothman Prophecies movie, which I didn't care for. I don't want to belittle it. I didn't, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Right. But the Mothman story was very interesting. And it was another one, too, where I think once we started researching the Point Pleasant Mothman, we realized there were there are other, other Mothman. Mothman. Yeah. Then we move to episode 24. Uh, this was mine. This is a fascination of mine that goes back to <laughs> elementary school from a scholastic book. Was this Oak Island? Oak Island. The Curse of Oak Island. This is a treasure hunt 225 years in the making when a re-excavation of what was thought to be the first dig site, now dubbed the Money Pit back in 1795, Oak Island is an odd question mark shaped island off the shores of Nova Scotia, Canada. According to legend, seven men must die before the curse is lifted and the treasure can be found. I think we're up to six, so we're getting there. Actually seven, okay. but we'll talk about that. Speaking of money pit, you might wanna you can stop by my house, but <laughs> <laughs> there are several money pits here in Missouri we'd like to interest you in, but and again, I think 
like I said in the episode, that is just not a story that grabs me the way it yep. grabs you. I know it it wasn't your your cup of tea, but I remember, and I think I said that in the podcast, I had a scholastic book and it was a generic treasure hunter book, but it had the story in there. And of course it went back to the old Reader's Digest. And yeah. I still, I'm glued to the TV on, on the TV <laughs> series. I know a lot of people's like, they're never going to find anything, but. Well, even when we recorded that episode, I want to say 90% of the, the, the audio is yours. <laughs> that was just not, it doesn't, it doesn't grab me. It's an interesting story. Don't get me wrong. Right. But just that was, that one was your baby. All right. I'll, I'll take full responsibility. Then episode 25, modern age dinosaurs. Millions of years ago. What could be termed as Earth's true monsters roam the world. Titanic beasts that, that would shake the land as they walked by. Uh, now, of course, they went extinct. But is it possible... Or some people think. Uh, is it possible, in my best Jeff Goldblum impression, that <laughs> life uh, finds a way? Life finds a way. Are there still dinosaurs roaming the Earth today? Inquiring minds do want to know. This was yours. That was mine. The, the <laughs> Kasai Rex story and Michaeli Mabimbe. And that was another one that once I started looking into it, I found so much more than I bargained for. I found all kinds of strange dinosaur-like creatures all around the world. Well, and I think that's where, yeah, I was in uh, North Carolina, Virginia, uh, visiting my daughter and her family out there. And we had all the the sightings of flying <laughs> dinosaurs out there. I thought, you know, when, when in Rome do as the Romans do. So I thought, I'm just going to check with where I'm at right now. So the Virginia, North Carolina coast. And sure enough, I mean, I stumbled across <laughs> some of the hot spots there, the, the little miniature dinosaurs in Texas that, the uh, recently spotted. Yeah. And that was, that was a cool little story. I like that one. Crazy stuff. Episode 26. This is uh, December 6, 2020 civil war hauntings. It was a dark time in American history. When ideologies clashed, brother fought brother, father fought son. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the, the American Civil War. A lot of blood was spilled, um, regarded as one of the bloodiest wars of all time. The casualty rate, you know, we were using weapons we didn't understand. And, and it was just absolute tragedy, the loss of life. And a lot of these places where you spill blood and you have these, these highly emotional moments in time. They mark not only the ground in blood, but with energy. Yeah. You, and, and to this day, in some of these major battlefields, Wilson's Creek and Gettysburg, Gettysburg, you, you still hear st tales of ghosts and, and, and the like. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. I think this was a story that you brought to the table. Uh, kind of started. I think it was off. both of us. Kind of a maybe. conglomeration. I think we, we wanted to talk, what was it? Battlefield hauntings, I think is where we started. And then we, we kind of branched out to civil war hauntings because I found, you know, I wanted to talk about Lincoln's ghost once I found that information. Right. One of my more favorite stories is in that one. The, um, the Irish brigade, I believe the, the, Oh yes. Fa la la was their war cry. And the kids said they heard the fa la 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 when yep. they went out to the battlefield. I, I really like that. Yeah, story. You couldn't have connected those dots. I mean, at the kids at that age, they wouldn't have known what that was. So yeah. I, that's hard to explain. That that was a cool little twist. Episode 27. Uh, this aired 1212 uh, of 2020. My Skinwalker Ranch that I, I brought to the table. Skinwalker Ranch is the Area 51 of paranormal activity. 
From beams of light and flying objects appearing in the night sky to tales of shape-shifting spirits and animal mutilations and demonic encounters with the mysterious Skinwalker Ranch is one of the world's most infamous and secretive sites of UFO and paranormal phenomena. The locals say you can't throw a rock in that area without hitting somebody that's seen something. (laughs) That's pretty intense. We hope that you will join us for this week's podcast edition of Nightmares on the Lost Highway, if you dare. I think you said it, and I may not have the words quite, you know, exactly, but the buffet of the unexplained and paranormal yes, or the something like that. board of the paranormal that is par- <laughs> the Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, you're talking giant animals, UFOs, UFOs Skinwalker. All kinds of crazy I mean, stuff. You name it. You know, Skinwalker Ranch has, has got several versions Cattle of it. Cattle mutilations. Uh, and the whole area. Like I said, I think I think one quote from that is, you know, if you've lived in this county, you can't throw a rock and not hit somebody who's seen something. Yep. And again, we're, you know, we're not getting paid to advertise, but there's the series on Skinwalker Ranch. And actually, uh, just about two weeks ago, there's a new series called uh, the Blind Frog Ranch, I believe, or something like that. And it is connected and adjacent <laughs> to the Skinwalker Ranch. And they're, yeah, talking, whole area. they're talking about some gold and silver mines and some Aztec gold. So it's, it's something I'm following up on. So I might see something coming from that. Episode 28. This was uh, Bill yet again and the Yeti. So all over the world, we have reported sightings of hairy hominids, beasts, throwbacks to a prehistoric age maybe in the himalayan mountains though is a a truly sort of unique hairy hominid it has its own characteristics yeah the locals call the meto kangmi in america we call it the yeti or abominable snowman and i'm going to tell you where that name comes from please stay tuned yeah we were looking for christmas episodes i think we were looking at a theme and uh you know what better than a, a great hairy beast that stalks the Arctic and, well, the Arctic, the, uh, the, the Himalayan mountains. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it comes up in the abominable snowman of, of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Absolutely. And again, that was another one where I learned there are different types of Yeti. I didn't realize that when I started on in on that. And I didn't realize necessarily that their hair color would change, but it makes perfectly good sense. Yeah, like the Arctic foxes that are yeah. red in, in spring and summer and white. And, uh, of course, you get to talk about Jimmy Stewart smuggling Yeti hands out of Tibet. So <laughs> Where else are you going to find story? that kind of stuff? Then, of course, episode 29. This was our Krampus Christmas special. If you're listening to this episode, the day of release, yesterday was Christmas. And in America, Santa Claus visits all the homes of the boys and girls. And he's so sweet to do so. And, you know, if you're a good kid, he drops off toys and goodies. I think he does in most cases. In most. And the story is, of course, if you're a bad child, he's going to leave you some coal in your stocking. Now, over in Central Europe... St. Nicholas will leave you goodies if you've been good, but St. Nicholas doesn't visit your house if you've been bad. So be good for goodness sake. And I think that was one where we had to stretch a little. There wasn't a lot. Uh, we, we touched on the history. We touched a lot on the modern stuff. I didn't realize Santa Claus had his minion, yes. if you will. Well, he's got a whole, what was the companions of St. Nicholas? There's a whole group of yeah, these a whole group. Boys. I didn't realize, <laughs> I thought it was, you know, Santa and, and Krampus, but oh no, oh no, there's there's kind of a small little legion yeah, gang. But, but the Krampus, that's the one everybody's heard about, and you know, 
just seemed really good for for a Christmas episode for us. Absolutely. Episode 30, uh, we did Haunted Missouri, and uh, I, I kind of come in with a very strong limp mansion. Restless spirits, ghosts, and we talk about all kinds of things on our little podcast, and we, we always want to try to bring it back home from time to time. Uh, our last few episodes, we've definitely traveled abroad a little bit. <laughs> so we thought we'd bring it back home and talk about some Missouri ghost stories this time around. Missouri ghost stories. Strangely enough, when we were recording the, when we were doing our research for that week, uh, like like you said earlier, we tried to do three episodes. Right. I we we agreed to haunted Missouri. Mm-hmm. I think you thought we agreed to Limp Mansion. The Limp Mansion, and, and and you definitely went all in on the Limp Mansion. And I think I even at one point was like, "Well, we need to talk about the ghosts." Yeah, a there's bit. well over half, if not three quarters, <laughs> on the Limp Mansion. But then you know you flip it around and and. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to... You had yeah. one confused with what it was, <laughs> and I had one confused. That's what happens when two old men get together sometimes. We move on to episode 31, and that was Roswell, the uh, air balloon. In July of 1947, ranch hand William Brazel, working on the J.B. Foster Ranch, finds a peculiar crash site about 30 miles north of, you guessed it, Roswell, New Mexico. After a few days, possibly as much as a week passed before he had shared his story with a friend and local sheriff, Wilcox. He stated he and his son had stumbled across a large field with shiny metallic cloth, rubber pieces, and wooden sticks of debris. On July 8th, after the initial investigation, an early press release stated, Flying disc has been discovered. The following day, the press release is quickly retracted, and instead, the story is of a crashed weather balloon. It's been part of a great debate that's went on for decades. May never have the true answers. Sort of the granddaddy of all UFO recovery stories. Indeed. Roswell. The Roswell balloon. (laughs) Oh, that classic tale. Like like, like you said, the granddaddy of all UFO crash stories. And yeah, like when you look it up now, it's just the UFO, the the Roswell balloon incident, not the Roswell UFO crash. Flying disc and all this it started off with has almost been totally erased. I've read entire paperback books just dedicated to the UFO crash, and and now it's just relegated to balloon. Yeah, just the balloon. It's just (laughs) just nothing more than a balloon. And then we kind of get into episode thirty-two, which I think Bill kind of started to uh, to work on, and that was uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania, the burning mines beneath. Imagine, if you will, sort of a blasted hellscape on Earth. A place, you know, and, and I could quote Lord of the Rings here, a place where the very air you breathe is a poisonous fume. Poison toxin. Uh, a town so horrifically mismanaged that it became part of the inspiration for the Silent Hill movie, a renowned horror film. Horror films and video game line, Absolutely. We're going to talk about Centralia, Pennsylvania. Silent Hill was yeah, inspiration. I, I did the whole episode on Centralia, and then I was like, oh, we, we're going to talk about abandoned towns in general. So then I started trying to find other abandoned towns, and I kind of gave you a little heart attack there because you're like, I thought we were just doing Centralia. Seriously, I we get I, I can't remember if I texted Bill or Bill texted me. And again, we've, we've worked night shift for many years, but it was like, one o'clock in the morning or something. And and I think he said something to the effect of, man, I'm going to have to branch out. He goes, I've just got this, you know, Centralia, Pennsylvania deal on Silent Hill. I need to get some other towns. And I'm like, what? Stop. What? And so (laughs) what other towns? I was laying down to go to bed and I got back up and it's like, 
no, we agreed it was just on Centralia. <laughs> and then that's kind of when it come out that uh, I said, well, I've got a lot on the Lent Mansion. And Bill's like, okay, well, yeah, that'll work with, with the haunted yeah. Missouri. And I'm like, oh, crap, I thought that was. Yeah, we both. I had done most of my notes on I had even cut myself short. I had left out like a big chunk of the history because I was like, I, I deleted some of my notes and then had to go back and put them back in because <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about abandoned towns. Then we come up to episode 33. This is January 24th of uh, 2021, the Titanic Aftermath. Titanic. Its name evokes a cold chill and the tale of its demise is nothing but legendary. Captain Smith was a man of the hour and his crew was top-notch trained officers of the White Star Line. Tales of chivalry and heroism with the band still playing on as the ship sunk into the frigid dark abyss. But is it really true? Lord Menzi, a British man that was selected to deliver the verdict of the British Maritime Investigation's private papers have recently come to surface, 108 years later. Let's talk about it. Which, uh, I mean, everybody knows the Titanic story, but... You know, you don't talk about what happens afterwards very yeah. much. And I personally wanted to talk about the ghosts. So, I, you know, we I made sure to branch off a little bit from what you had. And then one of the things that I, I saw special on, on TV that really kind of pulled me down this rabbit hole. And again, you know, the Titanic's been done. You know, it's kind of one of those deals. And that's something Bill and I agreed upon. We want to tread softly on that and try to find stuff, for lack of a better term, more unexplored interesting than something that's already been done. Well, you could tell the story of the Titanic and, and again, I think everybody's heard that story, but when you talk about like the recovery efforts, the recovery the legal repercussions, with bodies frozen, trying to and, straighten them out, lying yeah. them on the ship. And, and then and, apparently, you know, the captain is not at rest. It's tormented by the events of that night. Yeah. So, so we tried to kind of branch off on the Titanic, give you a fresh look on it. Episode 34, National uh, Parks, Missing Persons. Yeah, Missing 411. Uh, was it David, David Paul Leeds, I think we said? For some strange reason, U.S. National Park lands are a hotbed for unexplained disappearances. People go missing, unexplained. Some are never found. Some are found in places that were already looked at. Some are found in impossible conditions or impossibly far away. Uh, it's sort of referred to as the Missing 411 phenomenon. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. I just to add on to that, there's 423 national parks in the United States, and there's over 1,200 cases that have never been explained. Let's dive in. This was yours that you, I, oblivious to this again, this is kind of weird. I, well, I had stumbled across it a couple of different times. Um, I'm a, oh, I'll say I'm an avid Redditor. I'm on Reddit quite a bit, and I follow some subreddits about the unexplained. And the missing 411 phenomenon had popped up more than once. I hadn't really done a lot of research in it, but the story, it sounded interesting. So I thought we could dig into it a little bit. Just unexplained disappearances in the national parks and whatnot. And and I think one of the stories we related was from the Smoky Mountain National Park, which is a place I've been to multiple times. I've got my, my in-laws live down there just 30 minutes away, right. or give or take. So I've been to the Smoky Mountains, and, and like I said, it, it wouldn't be nothing to step off one of them trails and just plummet. Literally disappear, yeah. yeah. But it it had just popped up a few times, and it was one of those things that grabbed my interest. But I didn't know a lot about it even when we started doing, you know, when we when we worked on that episode. I wasn't even aware that was a thing, but uh, I was quickly pulled down the rabbit hole. I found it very interesting. And then episode thirty five, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. 
Ed and Lorraine Warren, anyone that is anyone that has read or looked into the paranormal ghost hunting world, certainly, surely, has come across this husband and wife team of the Warrens. I would argue if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard of the Warrens. Come on. (laughs) Come on, yeah. They are undoubtedly uh, some, if not the first, of in their field of study, branching off even into some demonology. The couple literally investigated thousands of cases and aided hundreds and hundreds of families and individuals that reached out for help, uh, especially in the 1960s to 1980s, even going into the 90s time frame, tackling some of the best-known and famous paranormal investigations of all times, the Amityville Horror, The Conjuring, and of course everyone's beloved little doll, Annabelle. We're going to take a little bit closer, deeper dive into the Warrens. And again, I think he even said it in the podcast, if you listen to this podcast and you don't already know the Warrens, I think you're, you're a little lax in your research. These, <laughs> these are the, like the founding parents Catalysts, of yeah. paranormal research in America. And again, my, my favorite story, <laughs> the Bigfoot, the Bigfoot, when Lorraine Warren, Lorraine met Warren Bigfoot. talking to a Bigfoot. I remember you handing me. A, a hard copy of that article at work going, you have got to read this. <laughs> Why have I never come across and then, this before? Then when I, well, then when I had a moment to sit down with it, I was like, that is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Just an unexpected story that you don't associate. Everything else with the Warrens is about demons and possessions and ghosts. And then you've got this story of Lorraine Warren talking to Bigfoot. I believe in Tennessee, I believe is where yeah. that actually took yeah. place. Yeah. So that kind of brings us full circle to uh, where we're at today. Uh, just kind of celebrating uh, our one year anniversary. Here on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. And for every one of those downloads, somebody listened to something we had to say and found it interesting. So we appreciate that. Very we, much. We, I, I say, you know, I know we've got for sure 30 dedicated listeners on, on Podbean that are subscribed to us, following us. Uh, like I said, uh, we seem to get about 20, 20 to 25 every Sunday. So I would say those are the people that are listening to us as soon as we come out. Right. And then we've got five to ten downloads a day every day in between. So I think. It's starting to kind of build up a little yeah, bit. We're not going to be world famous anytime soon, but I think we've got folks out there that are listening to us pretty pretty regularly. And we very much appreciate each and every one of you and, and for sharing it to uh, you know your Facebook pages and telling your friends about it. Yeah. I know. uh my sister-in-law, she she brags because uh, she's got one of those jobs where she can listen <laughs> to music or, or uh, you know, different podcasts, and she religiously listens to us every week, and I appreciate it very much. Well, I know as of last night, we had 1,623 downloads total. We peaked in uh, December, 340, which means I think we've got an upward trend going, so I think we're getting more and like listeners. You know, and, and even our old episodes are still being downloaded a couple times a month. I think that's what pushes up the numbers on Hopkinsville and Giants and things like that. As a matter of fact, our top five downloaded episodes are all from before our hiatus. So, I mean, those are our, vintage. our older episodes. We'll call yeah, them our vintage, vintage podcasts. Now, we talked about where we're at. You know, maybe you talk about where we're going. I know there's stories and ideas we've come up with. We talked about Hinter uh, uh, Kaifek which is kind of your classic locked room mystery, the house in the middle of nowhere with footprints leading to the house. And Entire no family murdered and no out. footprints coming out. Uh, we've got Diet Loft Pass, which we've talked about more than once, and then I, we just haven't committed on that one. It's, I'm just not sure there's enough there for a whole episode right, the right. way we do it. 
And one of the ones I kind of uncovered, the, the Cape Girardeau uh, pre-Roswell UFO yeah, crash. Yeah, I had never even heard of that story. Uh, again, that's right here in our home state. Uh, I had not heard about it. Uh, a gentleman actually wrote a book about it, which I've purchased, and you can find a few little blurbs online, but uh, I kind of had to sell that one to Bill. Again, it was one that's <laughs> like, I don't know if we're going to really have that much information, and it's like, there's a guy that actually wrote an entire book on it, so... Again, because it's right here in our backyard, uh, I, th- I think we're going to dedicate and do that. Yeah, we're going to try to. Podcast. I think we'll try to do that one. Uh, again, we just you know we've got a list of ideas. I think every time we come in, we bring new ideas with our with with us. And but now, maybe you, the listeners out there, we would very much love to hear from you. Uh, we do have a Facebook page. Some of you may not be aware of that. Um, you can find uh, Nightmares on the Lost Highway. It's a podcast Facebook page. Yeah, just uh, search Nightmares with Lost Highway it, on Facebook. It'll pull up and uh, you'll see links, but you can yeah. leave comments there, you know, correspond with us, give us ideas. On on Podbean, I think it's the same. If you follow us, uh, you know, or do a search for Nightmares of Lost Highway on Podbean. Actually, if you do search, if you search Nightmares on the Lost Highway on Google, I think we, we come up pretty close to the top. So. Nice. Um, but yeah, if you want to leave a comment, uh, you know, we're always looking for new ideas. I, I put a call out last night on Facebook, a nice little blurb. You know, is it is it too well known a story? You know, I think we're going to tackle it a little different. We're going to try to. Is like it, we did the Titanic. Yeah. Is it too obscure? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But who knows? We can look into it. We love the obscure I, stuff. I think, uh, like I said, is it too sexy? Probably. We're not that kind of yeah, podcast. We're not. We don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, if you've been listening to us and you like us, you know, if you're going through iTunes, by all means, give us a rating on iTunes. Put some comments. I've been a supervisor for quite some time so i know i've developed some thick skin so if you want to criticize us a little bit but uh, likewise let hey, us it is it. what it is yeah you know if it's something we can fix we'll try to work on it but uh like kevin smith says in a lot of his podcasts hey you're getting this for free so <laughs> <laughs> you know if you like it you like it if you don't you're not out anything but yeah i mean it, it, you know constructive criticism is always welcome absolutely you know i think this episode turned into something a little different than what i expected uh we were we were a little concerned about filling time but yeah <laughs> i think it's going to be one of our longer ones so so just to kind of to wrap up here i've uh i've enjoyed doing this and and you know uh, i think we said at the beginning even if nobody listens you know, we had fun. We had fun. Bill um, and I are, are kindred spirits. We've known each other for years. And I mean, regardless if we're recording it, if we had a chance to sit down, we would be talking about yeah, the we same stuff. We would stuff. have these conversations <laughs> anyway. Uh, now, of course, my goal is I would love to be invited to some sort of paranormal convention. Ad plug, ad plug. Talking about podcasts. So if you wanted to do that, we would. <laughs> we would absolutely love to be a part of uh, any type of paranormal. Uh, like I said, we don't make any money doing conference this. Conference or if, show. If we, could, if we could somehow make money doing it, I would love to be able to quit my job to podcast full time. <laughs> but I am no Kevin Smith or McElroy, so I don't think that's going to happen. But I enjoy, like like Eric said, if, if we weren't doing it on a podcast, we'd be doing it anyway. If we got together and we would talk about these stories. I think four or five of those episodes came out of conversations that we had before we ever started doing this. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we hope you enjoy what we do. We appreciate those of you that are listening, our loyal listeners. We hope this episode hasn't bored you too much. We know that you've already listened to all these and hopefully we gave you a little behind the scenes look at what we do. Yeah. And, and maybe if you hadn't listened to all of them, maybe we sparked your yeah. interest enough to go back yeah. and get another download. Maybe, maybe you missed one or something and, and you learned a little something new. Eric, if you'll see us out. We appreciate all the support and love, and we thank you very much. And this is Nightmares on the Lost Highway, signing off.
We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, final records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, (laughs) using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.